welcome to the first episode of Crosstown, a Beat the Shift baseball production. I am Ray Estrada. He is Farbode Markazi. How are you doing, my friend? I'm really excited. This is, this is um, for those of you that don't know, this is something Ray and I have wanted to start for a long time. Um, he'll explain what this is overall, but this is going to be a really fun alternate version. For those of you that do listen to Beat the Shift Baseball um, and happen to reside or be fans of the Southern California teams, uh, minus the Padres, I, I, I'm hopeful that you stay, you stay along with us. This is going to be a really fun venture that we're going on. Yeah, so just to kind of introduce the podcast, uh, Crosstown, you know, we talk Crosstown rivalries. Um, we're going to talk about Southern California, uh, mostly baseball, uh, but other sports teams that, that we enjoy. I just said not the Padres. We're talking about Los Angeles and Orange County teams. Um, we'll kind of – how about we just do, like, icebreakers, like first day of class, because those are always fun, right? Um, yeah. I'm, <laughs> uh, just before just before we start that, I, I want to mention uh, the main reason we wanted to start this was I am an Angels fan. I don't think that's any secret for any of you who listen to Beat, Beat the Ship Baseball. Ray is a Dodgers fan. That's also no secret. That's harder to tell, um, though. No, that's hard. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't say that in recent days. No, I, the, the, the reason, the reason it's harder to tell is because I air my grievances a lot more. It's, I use beat the shift kind of as like a therapy service. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, no, we wanted to do this. And one of the reasons we chose Crosstown is because of what Ray said, it's Crosstown rivalry. And we were trying to think of what the, what the names to be we we want we thought of like up the five down the five freeways stuff like that but it crosstown is very overarching of yeah. what we want to talk about in this isn't just a baseball podcast of uh, most of what we are going to be talking about is going to be the angels and dodgers and our fandom and what we think their futures are going to be their the latest news latest analysis but I want to mention that if for those of you who happen to be LA Kings fans, LA Lakers, Clippers, Anaheim Ducks, uh, I, have I missed the team? Uh, LA, Chargers. <laughs> uh, the Chargers, the Rams, the OCFC, or OCSC, like any of those teams, we'll be discussing them here and there. Um, just, just because this is our little fun getaway from Just Beat the Shift. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the icebreakers. Let's just kind of run down the teams that we root for, um, and then like that we kind of pay attention to because I know we might miss each other on some sports. But how about you go? You go first, and just kind of telling us your uh, interests. I think Ray and I really um, differ, and which makes this podcast really great um, in exactly who we root for. Um, obviously, like I said, I'm an Angels fan. Uh, I have recently become a Chargers fan, and that's a LA Chargers fan, and that's by the fact that I go to the University of Oregon, and I've never had an NFL team that I've rooted for. I've been I've been a diehard baseball fan, I've been a diehard um, basketball fan, but before I went to college, I was never a big football guy. And I told myself if Justin Herbert gets drafted by the Chargers, I'm going to be a Chargers fan. That only made sense for me. Um, and I, I hate bandwagon fans, so I'm a Chargers fan, live or die. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> but uh, you're, you're a bandwagon and, for a different reason. I'm, I, I, I would say I'm, I've never had an NFL team. So while you can say I'm a bandwagon, I don't think so. Um, because I've never really rooted for an NFL team. I've seen, trust me, I live in Oregon right now. I know what bandwagon means. There's Oregonians here who don't have a football team. So all of a sudden they're fair weather fans. And do you realize how many Patriots fans I, I know here? I mean, there's Just Patriots fans down here too, to be fair. <laughs> but, but, but you talk to the Patriots fans down there and half, half yeah. the time it's, I have family back. East. I, was, I will say, here. no, 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 no. I will say a lot of them down here are Tom Brady fans. Cause I've seen way too many Tom Brady that, uh, Bucks jerseys. That is that. That's very true. That, but those are also fair weather fans. That's that's no, no, exactly. Why, for players, yeah, uh, yeah. So okay, so outside of the Chargers and and the Angels, I am a Lakers fan. Seventeen rings. I think that's where Ray and I do find some common ground. Yeah, I am not a. I'm not a huge hockey fan. Uh, I've never really watched hockey. Maybe that's just because I'm, I'm a Southern California boy. And while we do have two hockey teams within an hour drive of me. I just never really got into hockey. Like I said, I've been a diehard baseball, basketball fan over the last four years. I've become an absolute diehard football, uh, college football fan, and now this year I'm, I've become a diehard um, NFL fan. Yeah. Yeah, so like you mentioned, the Lakers are where we line up. We are both Lakers fans. Um, that doesn't mean we won't be talking Clippers, but we'll probably be talking mostly trash on them because they are a franchise who has never made a conference finals. Um and then, so yeah, <laughs> and we know when it three one what? Huh? Three one what? Yeah, three one. Uh, I could yeah, I had good times with three one leads this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and then obviously I'm a Dodgers fan, born and raised in LA. Um, dad's a Dodgers fan. Thank you. So, and and then when it comes to football, I am in a way an adopted adopted bandwagon Rams fan not because they were good but because they came back to LA I was probably going to root for whatever team came to LA um, it helped that it was the Rams a team that was a, has a history in LA that my dad so you are a bandwagon to. football fan yeah but again not in it, the same not in the way of like oh Fairweather I think they're good no, yeah, I, okay, so I, you I and sat I are in through the same that boat. 12 opening season in LA <laughs> So, so you and I are in the same boat. We we just happen to be rooting for different LA teams, but you and I are in the same boat. Yes. So, yeah. So yeah, and then I do pay attention to hockey. I'm a huge LA Kings fan. Um, huge LA Kings fan. Love, I you know the two Stanley Cup runs were amazing for me, and uh, sort of pay attention to soccer. I I can get go on a longer rant about why, for some reason, LAFC has become LA's main team when the galaxy had been here forever but the galaxy sucked right you now know, so I, it's a hard argument to I, not that this matters for this podcast but I currently have an assignment on the LAFC and I just realized they were a team um, yeah. because the only like we were just going over teams in LA and I forgot about the galaxy and the and the FC and I I hate that I said that because they soccer is a prominent sport and I, I've become yeah, over the yeah, last America's couple months not a prominent sport here the, the, yeah, over the last couple of months, because of an alternate project that I'm doing, I have become more of a soccer fan. <laughs> well, good for you. All right, so now that you know we've established what teams we root for, how about let's take a check up on those on those teams? I'll I'll update on my teams first. 
um, just to inform some people. The LA Kings um, in the COVID um, interrupted season were not uh, did not end up going to the bubble because they finished second to last in their conference. Um, Oof. They did finish on a seven game winning streak, cover, which is cool. But they were left at home along with um, the Sharks and the Anaheim Ducks for uh, for good measure. They selected second overall in the NHL draft and selected Quentin Byfield, the highest drafted African American player in NHL history. Uh, the Rams are currently five and three. They sit, I believe, yeah, third in the NFC, in the NFC West. They have a home date against the Seahawks next week. That'll be fun coming off a of bye week. Uh, yeah, and then to transition into you, Farbode, the the Lakers won a championship, so good for us. But then I also have a Dodgers yes, championship sir. as well. So yeah, that no, is my you team's in review, and then you can update on your teams. Yes, sir. You had an insane year, though. Uh, yes. I I can't. Uh, this I was talking to my friends when the Lakers won. This is the first time one of my teams won a championship since 2009 since the last time the lakers won that was the first time one of your teams probably won. actually no the kings kings yeah. uh yeah so for me that was a bizarre feeling and i can't imagine how much better like it it's weird to say how much better maybe the dodgers win felt for you because we are prominent dodger fans i know we've been talking about a lot of other sports and we are going to be talking about other sports a little bit in this podcast we're prominent we're prominent baseball fans and we're going to be talking about baseball the most um the angels went 26 and 34 uh, another losing year with mike trout as the best player in baseball the best the being the angels overall um so i'm they we'll get into this later they have they fired their general manager i'll i have a lot of words to say about that um and they're hopefully going to be on an upswing at some point this is while while the division has some good teams, the division doesn't really have incredible teams. So some some change here, some change there might might put them like in the fight. Uh, my Lakers won the championship, as Ray said. Very happy about that. And then moving on from that, uh, the Chargers are not doing too hot. I, I Ray likes to talk a lot of crap on Justin Herbert. Uh, I don't. I personally, I'll tell you this right now. I don't think it's Justin Herbert's fault that the Chargers are being this bad. Um, Justin Herbert has been playing really bad, uh, really, really great. And while it is the quarterback's job to get their team going, get their team out, like, like to just lead their team, this man's a rookie. He was thrown in the fire uh, after the team, after the team <laughs> doctor almost killed Tyrod Taylor. You thought Angels um, team doctors are bad. Chargers oh team doctor said, hold my beer, we're going to stab a man in the lungs. Yeah, like, I I, I don't, like, he he came out, Herbert came out afterwards, after that game, he was like, yeah, I was told I was starting two days, two minutes before, like, kickoff. So, that's that's a huge thing, first of all. Um, he's been doing very well. I think he's the front runner for the, um, for the rookie of the year. Uh but the Chargers themselves, they dealt with a lot of injuries. I really, uh, this is the first year that I've been a Chargers fan. Really disliked head coach Anthony Lynn and his decision making. I think there's a lot of different ways, a lot of different plays, a lot of different play calls. He could just be 
better at and would have led the Chargers to being better overall. Um, some of the losses they've had, Herbert has made the most out of like having half the receivers and only Keenan Allen out there. So that's that's been an issue. But like yeah, like I said, the Chargers are struggling. But I still think Justin Herbert is the quarterback of the future for them. I think he's doing great. Um, I think the Chargers have some things they need to figure out as an organization. Yeah, I I, I like talking crap on Herbert. I he's played very well. I I'm not gonna you know say he's been. I will say I am very surprised. But I did not think. No, I remember I, yeah. going into this year saying uh, Herbert needs to sit a year because he has. I've 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 talked to the guy. I've um, not saying like we're friends or anything, but we've gone to the Manning Passing Academy. I watched him throw, just casually throw, and he, this man can just naturally throw the ball down the field like 60, 70, 80 yards, and it looks like he's doing nothing. So, but at Oregon, I. Uh, I think after you watched the first game Oregon played last week, it was clearly the offensive coordinator that left. Uh, there was something going on with Herbert that it looked way too mechanical. It looked way too forced. Yeah, so yeah his, that's why his, I, I, I described him as quarterback campy. Yeah, his accuracy was off. But now when you watch him throw, it's like he, it's he's fluid. throwing like not – yeah, it's fluid. It it looks beautiful. So I'm very excited about that. We're and talking also, too much also about too, it's a weird thing with me. Just the way that guys will stand in, in the shotgun, like he he just looked last year at Oregon. He just looked way too locked in, arms like straight out in front of him, and like okay, yes. what are we doing here? Now he looks like natural, like you know he's playing an NFL quarterback. So yeah, um, I do encourage everyone to watch um, Oregon's offense this year versus last year. If you are college football fans, uh, in a normal year. Oregon would be a very solid team. But, yeah, let's move on. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's move on. Okay, so let's get into – we're going to start the primary primary baseball talk. So, Farboto, um, I'll, ask, I'll ask you I'll, – I'll, Yes? Well, um, I, 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 I was just going to um, actually ask you. So, you I'm are – I'm sorry, I was – <laughs> no, I want to take your spotlight. You've asked me too many questions already. All right. Um, I'm going to take your spotlight. So, you are a Dodger fan. Yes. Um, you are diehard, and as long as I've known you, um, win or lose, there there's something that's going on with one of your players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's start off with comeback players, and who, if you take out the rest of the MLB, and it was just the Dodgers. Who would be the comeback player of the year or comeback players of the year with the Dodgers? And who would be players that start out hot and just need to keep it up? Are you talking about comeback players for next year? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I think Cody Bellinger is certainly one of them. You know, uh, his post MVP season, not great. You know, kept it up a little bit at the end. Hit, did hit, didn't hit for a lot of power. Surprisingly, like he got to ten home runs pretty quick once he kind of found it, but then fell off. Average wasn't nearly there. Just needs to tailor that swing a little bit more. Guys are just attacking him better with that high end and fastball. Also, Max Muncy, I think, but the peripherals really liked him this year. Uh, just hit under two hundred, uh, but still got on base at over three hundred clip. Walked a lot. Strikeouts were a little bit up for him, but you know. Bellinger and Muncy could definitely take it up in the middle of that offense. And I, players who need to keep it up, 
I, I think it's players. I don't know if there was any surprises from the Dodgers in terms of like guys who were really, really good this year. I would say AJ Pollock, actually, now that I think about it. AJ Pollock, um, living up to the contract, was on pace for 43 home runs in a 162 game season when his previous career high was 21. Um, AJ Pollock is that guy who needs to keep it up. Bet, uh, Betts and Seeger, I think, uh, going forward, they're not going to be candidates to regress heavily. So. All right. Um, I think on my end, there's a lot of <laughs> there, there. There's a lot of little I need a lot candidates of players need to come choose. back. Um, so first of all, foremost, most obvious one is Shohei Otani. Uh, this man started out the season obviously as a pitcher and a hitter. Uh, unfortunately, the pitching side didn't ex- exactly work out. I do think the first couple games that he was pitching, he was way in his head. And there, I, I mean, I know you can think about baseball and think about their players as these guys are, these guys are professionals. They're, they're not going to, they're they're not going to let things get to their heads. They're not going to do this. They're not going to do that, but you could see it in his face. Like it, with Shohei, at least it it was first couple games he was on the mound. It was he was struggling, and he he might have been hurt at that point. Honestly, he might have not been even completely ready to come back. But it was at first it was him. I I personally don't think he was hurt at first, but it was him basically just pitching. But he was throwing ninety to ninety four, and obviously that's not bad if you for for a lot of pitchers, but. When you think about Shohei, he's a guy who throws 97-plus on, on his fastball. And it seemed like he was just trying to dot. It seemed like he was aiming the ball and trying to at least get the ball over the strike zone. Uh, his his off-speed pitches were sometimes the only th- pitches that were working or making hitting the strike zone. His, fa- his fastballs were way off. And then I think that is what eventually got him hurt because he had the game that he was taken out because it was hurt. he got hurt. He pitched the one, two, three first inning. He was throwing ninety eight plus, but then the but then the next inning he started throwing ninety and ninety four, and then it, it, his injury came again. I I really think for him something got to his head, and when you see him on the at, in the in the batter's box, it was just not the same confident Shohei Otani. <laughs> How I always saw him the last couple of years in the in the box, it was like. He doesn't care who's pitching him. He doesn't care whatever. He's he's up there. Like he might have a swing that it just looks like he's flailing at the ball, but then all of a sudden the next swing is going to be 350 right field or 4, 420 right field. Um, it just did not feel the same way. It felt like when Otani was at, in the box or uh, after he went down with that injury, it was, something was just up in his head. His swing was different. Um, he was pulling off the ball a lot. So obviously – Long long story short, he's my first choice for a bounce back. Second choice, Joe Adele. I don't want to make too much out of this because he wasn't even supposed to be in the big leagues until September-ish, even then, this year. There was no minor leagues. This was the best like development camp for him. He made some really poor plays defensively. Um, but I think if anyone's complaining – but the fact that he he hit 161 with three home runs didn't realize that this man in his last year minor league ball 
he in his last full year minor league ball, he was struggling hit with the off speed pitches. He could he when he got a fastball in triple A or double A, he was destroying it. He had a high average, had a lot of home runs. But with the off speed pitches, he just couldn't pick it up as well. And that's one of the things you get with guy talented, raw, athletic guys you draft out of high school. And he is closer than people think, and I think he's going to be a star with the Angels. Um, it, I, I just think people bashing him on his average and the way he hit this year is a little misguided because they, they didn't realize that he wouldn't have been in the big leagues in a normal season. Um, I have even more for you. Uh, yeah. I mean, but 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 some I'm going to keep it short. Some guys that need to keep it up, David Fletcher, contact rate just incredible and stat came out yesterday that he took the most pitches down the middle as if he basically was like no down the middle pitches are too too easy to hit i'm going to try to make contact of pitches that are at my neck and that's what he did (laughs) jared walsh he got a second place and a third place rookie of the year vote i just think he played in too few games he only played in 32 games with a 60 this year because he was called up a little late he hit 293 with nine home runs he's also a very solid hitter. He can also somewhat pitch, which is um, he hasn't pitched since last year. So like, wait, I, I think I why do I not know this? I feel like I would know. Yeah, Jared no. Walsh so he pitched. <laughs> yeah, he pitched early last year. He was he's a stud, and I think the Angels have found their first baseman um, of the future. And I don't think Albert Pool is going to get much playing time. You're telling me it's Joe not Maddie, nice. Unfortunately, no. I was a big <laughs> Matt Dice fan when he, when we drafted I him. I was hoping for him most. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But like Jared Walsh, first baseman of the future, he really just stepped it up this year, and I'm really excited to see what he does in the future. I think a lot of people look at his minor league numbers. The last like three years, he was hitting twenty plus, thirty plus bombs in the minor leagues. He just never had a spot with the Angels, and Joe Madden was the first Angels manager. To basically say maybe it's due to Albert's age or whatever, but basically say Albert, no, you're not playing. Uh, Albert played in 39 of the game, 39 games. And that even might be too much, and I think next year it'll be even less, like percentage of the games. Uh, Jared Walsh, Joe Adele, we have another guy, Brandon Marsh in the minor leagues. Overall, the team's gonna be solid, but they have a lot of rookies that they need to figure stuff out. I'm not even gonna get get on Justin Upton. Oh, Anthony Reno needs to keep it up. This man. Started out the year just absolutely cold, but still finished with a 915 OPS and just killed it. He, he, I'm very excited for this offense and what it could be if everyone's there. Yeah, I, I mean, sorry for the extremely long answer, ex- but definitely an exciting offense. Zero pitching. Yes, uh, I mean, if you want to get, if you even want to get into the pitching, I mean, like. There's Griffin Canning, like Andrew Heaney, and Dylan Muddy. Yeah. And Andrew Heaney, he struggled ERA-wise, if you look at his ERA on on the outset. But overall, he was towards the last three or four starts. He had very good starts towards the end of the year. Yeah. if If you just look at his ERA, that doesn't tell the full story. He struggled at first, but he found something that really clicked. And Dylan Muddy... And was great. Griffin Canning just needs to put the ball in the strike zone because he's deceptive enough to make it great. Um, I'm excited for your year three of Canning and year two of Bundy in an Angels uniform. 
yeah, for sure. Uh, Bundy was that was certainly surprising. That good find that was by, definitely good find by ex Angels GM Billy Epler. Oh, like I said, you, if you thought that was a rant, I'll go on a full on rant when when we get into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I definitely think that uh, Dylan Bundy just needed to get out of Baltimore. Uh, there's something go, yeah, about a lot of guys him. need to do that. Uh, one of the things that I think the Angels have strived, have done well over the last couple of years is finding low value guys on the mound and changing whatever their um, normal pitch repertoire is. And Dylan Bundy just started change, just full on changed his pitch repertoire, barely through the fastball compared to when he was in Baltimore. And found a lot of success. He's not throwing 95 plus, but still was a pretty solid pitcher for the Angels. Yeah. Uh, do you want to get into that rant on the Angels GM search? <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I don't. So here's the, my rant is more so about Billy Epler's firing. I think when you think of the fact that in the years that Billy Epler has been here, uh, the Angels have had one or none one or zero lose, uh, winning seasons if you consider that absolutely this general manager needs to go but at the same time when you consider the fact that when he came in the angels had a ton of issues that it's they 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 had they had the worst farm system in baseball whatever you think about the prospects right now they, he's, he rebuilt it to a point to the point where he could at least at this point uh, he, he made Mike Trout a lifelong angel he went through a whole ton of stuff with uh, just over the last two years with like he, he dealt with one of his players death um, like I, I, I personally feel like Billy Epler he didn't even have a chance to get to the point where he could make the angels a winning team because he had to put out some fires in, in, in the first couple of years. And some people think, well, he's been there for years. How could he not put out the fires by now? Farm systems take a while. Building the trust with Mike Trout takes a while. Building the trust with any player takes a while. When Mike Trout signed that year, um, 12 year contract, he mentioned in his speech and in interviews afterwards that, He's over the last year or so before he signed it, he was up late at night on the phone with Billy Epler talking about the future of the Angels, talking about the prospects, talking about the guys they potentially want to draft, talking about the guys they could look at in free agency. Mike Try is invested and he really respected that from Billy Epler. So like stuff like that, definitely. Obviously Billy um uh whiffed on some some stuff. But at the same time he he was putting out some fires that i don't think deserved just a passing glance at he he added taylor ward with uh, matt tice which might have been a little bit off but then joe dell jordan adams will wilson reed detmers this past year in the draft um i mean you can say ward and tice and, and adele have made the big leagues from there uh a, Epler signed Shohei Otani. Uh, out of 29 teams who, who could have signed the 
Japanese phenom from uh, for, to a, a basic bare minimum contract. Epler chose uh, uh, Otani chose Epler and the Angels. Uh, Anthony Rendon uh, signed with the Angels. Obviously, that there's rumors that that was more of an Artie Marino and ownership move, but Billy Epler was the one that finished it off. Yeah, to, um, to, to kind of sorry to interrupt you. How how much of this do you think? How much of Billy Epler's? I guess you would call it in a way failures. Um, you know, not creating a winning team within the five years he was there. How much was that Artie Marino's fault? Um, I don't know if I could really explain how much of it was Artie Marino's fault. I I also want to point out that a lot of it was previous GM uh, Jerry Depoto's fault. Um, and even before that, you could even talk about Tony Reagan's, but I don't even want to get um, Tony Reagan's because I think a lot of it was on Jerry Depoto. And that when Billy came in, they didn't have the finances, the financial capabilities to go out and get more. Jared Weaver was still on the books. Um, uh, Josh Hamilton was still on the books. Uh, Albert Pools, obviously, on the books. And that kind of just made it tough for Billy to do much. And at the time, some of those trades that he made was Angleton Simmons. First trade, first move he made as a general manager. His his biggest thing was having if you can't have pitching, if pitching is hard to come by, let's make the defense as good as we can to limp, to decrease the amount of runs that the pitchers give up, um, or like the hits and the blah blah blah. Um, I think I think it's unfair to say Artie caused a lot of it, but I think it is fair to say that Artie did not wasn't as keen on spending on long term contracts after the pools contract has seemingly sh- turned out to not be as worth it. Um, the Hamilton contract just completely turned into a dumpster fire, uh, stuff like that. Just the, I think one of the biggest contracts he signed other than Mike Trout was just enough to just an extension, just an extension. So like while Artie Marino has a big say in all of this and I've aired my grievances about ownership in the past to you on privately. I think a lot of it was the fact that before Epler got there, I mean, when Epler got there, he saw, okay, this team, while they have a decently talented team on roster, I can't even do much right now because I'm handcuffed by the payroll we have. I'm handcuffed because we can't necessarily rebuild our farm system because the guys we have on roster, we can't trade for for picks because we're stuck in the middle um, because uh, we have to wait for the draft and over years we'll rebuild our farm system. It, I think overall it, it was a lot of different things that Epler just had to fix before he could even have a winning team on roster. Like I said, he, he did whiff on some signings. He whiffed on Matt Harvey. He whiffed on Trevor Cahill. Like there's, you could say that, I wouldn't say he whipped on Trevor Cahill. I would say Trevor Cahill got got put in a role that he wasn't signed to do. I okay, I understand that, but at the <laughs> same time, if you look at the year before he had in Oakland, and you could talk all you want about um, track records and how a guy normally pitched, but he was very solid in Oakland the year before. Um, 
but overall, I, I the only reason I'm saying he whiffed on those guys is for the money that he paid those guys. He whiffed on Julio Terran this year. For the money that he paid those guys, um, you would think that they could have gone out and sought and signed like a, tw- a two-year, three-year deal with a formidable number three at least who could who at the time would have been the number one um that said there are some pitchers in the farm system that just haven't panned out um either because they've been for either because they just haven't panned out or because of the ain't the state of the angels farm system and the fact that half the angels pitchers get hurt every year um they've been rushed to the big leagues um some of the stuff has been bad luck. Some of the stuff has been the fact that Epler had to deal with a lot of crap um, even before he could even work on building a winning team. I think he'll be known um, for the fact that he had five consecutive losing seasons and the fact that he couldn't sign a Garrett Cole. He couldn't sign a formidable number one or a number two to a starting rotation. I think the things that he did will end up being being very welcome for the whoever the next GM is for the Angels. They um, just recently Ken Rosen Ken Rosenthal came out um, saying the Angels are down to five finalists for their GM opening and could decide by the end of the week. Um, VP Jason of the Cubs Jason McLeod, Evax assistants Jared Porter and Emil Sadaye, and Mariners um, general manager uh, Justin Hollander. Uh, McLeod worked for Joe Madden in Chicago. Porter was with the Cubs um, during Madden's tenure, and Hollander spent nine years in the Angels' front office before joining the Mariners. So there's different ways you can take this, and I've ranted a lot so far during this podcast. (laughs) For that, I um, thank you for letting me um, air out these grievances, but also apologize to the listeners for having to listen to my voice so much. Bottom line, I don't think Billy Epler should have been fired at this point. But at the same time, I understand it. Like, you understand why a guy who has had five losing seasons um, gets fired. But I also think that it's misguided to to say this guy sucked just just by the record. If you look at the overall arch, arc of the team going forward, I think it's positive. And I think a lot of that is due to the contributions of Billy Epler. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, so yeah, that was quite a quite a rant and a and a good one. This is this is therapy. This is healing. Um, hopefully, I mean, the, what do you think? I, like, hey, as as a as a fan on the outside, what do you think? I think, yeah, it was really kind of misguided. Not misguided signings, but like that that inability to land a big splash, especially pitcher. Like last year, you had Wheeler, uh, Strasburg, Cole, got none of them. Settled for Tehran, traded for Bundy. Bundy worked out for whatever reason, but you know, missed on Harvey, missed on Tehran, missed on Cahill. So yeah, I and the Angels perpetually have kind of been in the Mike Trout era, a decently well built team with just the inability to actually perform during the regular season. What I what I struggle with is 
the fact that this team has always been stuck in the middle and they can't make this and that's the most dangerous place for any team oh easily but, well like you mentioned that what assets do they have that will yield them say a top five prospect from another team yeah and to billy upler's credit the guys that he got that would that ended up panning out throughout the years um blake parker was a great bullpen arm when he was in, with, with the angels uh what's his uh i mean justin upton um whether or not you um disregard the fact that like how he's been playing recently and uh dylan bundy and his track record they they billy Epler got those guys for peanuts uh peanuts Mm -hmm. so like to his credit they didn't have wiggle room like the dodgers do with six guys who can play shortstop who are solid players who you can trade and hopefully get like a fifth starter out of that. You have, you have Anthony Rendon, you have uh, who you're not going to trade. You have Andrelton Simmons who could have been a trade target, tra- um, a, a trade, yeah. uh, a trade he, asset. He did, you he have, did land Tommy Listella. He did land. He, like he, I said, that hit out of all people. I think the scouting department has been solid. I think the player value, player um, player development um, department has been solid. I think if you think about it like this, ownership, whether it is on Artie's part or not, I don't want to put everything on Artie. There is an issue with the fact that the Angels are playing, are going to be paying two managers this next year and two general managers. Because are Sosa, are Sosa they, and what Epler still on the books technically? It's Brad Osmus and Joe Madden. Oh, that's right. They're still playing Osmus. And and Billy Epler was actually the Angels picked up the option on his contract mid season twenty twenty. And then and decided, them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I don't understand that. I I think that <laughs> one, one of the one of the most recent things uh, that that are ongoing in the angels uh fan pages that i've seen is billy Epler is about to go to miami and just make us all feel sad because about what he's going to turn miami to uh <laughs> we this man is a very smart man he he was brian cashman's assistant for years i'm a bill i i will be a billy Epler stand obviously i will support the next young general manager and what happens um but i will forever be a billy Epler stand all right. So, was that was that good therapy for you? It it was great, but I think now we should move on to what's next for our team. Yes, what is actually here? Billy Epler is not actually prevalent to what the Angels will do in free agency this year or the Dodgers. So, no, and it's concerning that they, although their GM search has been thorough, that they haven't signed the general manager yet. Yeah, but, well, I, I, I mean, as you just said, Rosenthal says probably end of the week, um, and this is going to be a slow off season, so I don't think there's a rush on the on the GM uh, front. I'll let I'll let you explain the Dodgers' um, free agent wants and needs because I think that is a very interesting topic because we all know the Dodgers as a team that's pretty damn well built and pretty damn. Not much change is really needed. Why don't Why don't you just resign the guys that you have and just move on? So, what What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, how do you make what some people call one of the best teams that they've ever seen, even in a short season, 
World Series champions. How do you make that team better? How do you improve that team? Um, and I think it's it's kind of maintaining status quo, which is why I think it'd be nice to sign Turner for a short term deal. Because um, obviously he's thirty six, he's not going to play, you know, forever. But I mean, unless Rios plays third, a right handed bat in the middle of the lineup is kind of what the Dodgers need or what they do. You think? Preferred. Do you think that the um, the Dodgers will push more towards the fact that Justin Turner has been how I see Justin Turner? He's a court Dodger. He's been there for mm-hmm. years. He's he really took off when he was when he became a Dodger, and he's part of that core that just deserved the World Series as much as Kershaw did. Um, do you see the fact that the Dodgers see him as that, or the fact that he made that dumb decision, um, that dumb? But we also discussed and beat the shift that like we can't really understand how he felt the fact that they won the World Series and couldn't celebrate if he chose not to. Um, decision to celebrate. Do you think they'll choose not to re-sign him because of that? No, uh, no, because honestly, part of that decision was a lot of Dodgers players, Dodger personnel, encouraging him to go out, wanting him to go out there. So that I don't think it's going to affect. You know, there, there's there's not that sentiment within the organization of like, oh, he betrayed us by doing this. No, they wanted him out there. That's not going to affect his free agency status, and that's also not going to affect his outlook on other teams wanting to sign him. Because you know, it's it wasn't his decision to, you know, endanger his teammates. It was kind of, it was they were willing to take that risk as well. Um, yeah, so I think it all comes down to like, yeah, he is a core Dodger, um, and a very integral one to these to this World Series win and on the World Series runs in previous years. So yeah, nice to have, nice to have back. Still a solid bat in the middle lineup when he's healthy. Um, his defense improved this year. Uh, we kind of saw it in this way in the playoffs, but I don't know what other right-handed bats are out there on the market that would be able to fill in and, you know, play third and even close to Turner's level. Now, this is not free agency want, but Nolan Arnato would be nice if the Rockies really are keen on trading him. Yeah. I... I'm I, I'm not sure that the Rockies would want to do that in house in division. Though. No, but uh, it'll be interesting. I'll, and the only other thing I'll say is probably just restocking that bullpen. You can imagine that Trinan's gone. Baez might be gone as well. Uh, Jansen's gonna need gonna need help there. So maybe resign McGee. Who knows? Maybe you do resign Trinan. But um, yeah, kind of just restocking that bullpen. But everything else is good. We discussed this last night. Uh, why do you think that they wouldn't go after Liam Hendricks? Um, I I I don't really have an answer to say why they won't really go after him. I just think you basically said that you would be surprised if they do sign Liam Hendricks. Because I, I don't think they're going to pay because top. You don't. I don't think they're going to pay top dollar for Liam Hendricks. I think other teams will offer more money to get a closer, whereas the Dodgers kind of found out last year that, at the end of last year, that Jansen is sort of that guy, but then if they have other pieces there, they can figure it out. Um, so they don't need to sign you know, a top-end closer. And I think 
you know, it's everybody kind of sees around this league that closers and relievers are very volatile. You'll see a guy go crazy for two seasons, you know, go sign, make his money, and then just for whatever reason fall off. You know, Mark Melanson did that when he signed that record deal with the Giants. Um, we saw Chapman get paid big, and he's been good, but not, you know, great. The, we're in an era of slow transitioning to closers are not that important to teams anymore. Not like in years past. Yeah. I, uh, on the, on, on the other hand, I, I would say I am very jealous of your bullpen. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, 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 like, like we said, the, it's a lot of, a lot of what the Dodgers have is restocking and continuing just basically there's no rebuild or re like necessary sign there. It's reloading. There is reload. It's reloading and continuing what they have. It that that's all that matters. They, they just won the world series and they, like you said, they're one of the best teams in modern history or not of all time. I mean, I don't, I don't want to make that claim that they're the best team of all time. But they're an incredible, incredible team. And, I, I think at this point, they don't have any top tier necessarily resign. Like, you need to resign this guy if you want to be good next year. They'll be good, um, even if they don't resign, let's say, a Justin Turner. Obviously, Justin Turner has been integral. But, like, we discussed this about 20 minutes ago. They have the farm system, they have the, they have the depth on their major league roster to fill a third base spot. They also have the farm system to go after Francisco Lindor. Um, I don't, here's the thing. I think Arnaud is more likely than Lindor. Really? Why? I I, I, I personally do not see Arnado as an option at all in L.A. just because they don't want to see him. Uh, the Rockies wouldn't want to see him like play against him like 18 times a year. I mean, yeah, I, 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 agree, I agree with that. But I just don't think Lindor entices that. Like, you know, they had that one big push for him. Um, the last offseason, last trade deadline, and then they've kicked the tires on him at this trade deadline, and people thought, oh, Lindor's, you know, Dodgers pushing hard. It's like Lindor, you know, and you saw what Seager is. Seager, I I don't think you trade Lindor for Seager straight up. That'd be just dumb. You have a your own known commodity in Seager. And the thing is, Lindor's a rental. Um, he's a young guy. In a way, he got lucky with bets that he signed his extension when he did. But wa- just work on it, extending Seager. You have Bueller, Be- Bellinger, and Seager who are coming up on extension talks. Um, trading. And you would rather have one of those guys. Um, with I'd rather the have money an in-house guy, and I'd that. rather not trade. What it's going to take top prospects to get Lindor, in my opinion. Um, I also think you have plenty of guys in house that are that have recently come up from the minor leagues, or people that can just play third base or shortstop, depending on what you do with Corey Seager. Yeah, um, and I think Corey Seager is a shortstop going forward. I yeah, I think it would be yeah. I, I mean, if if not move him to third, but I think it would be a mistake to not resign or not offer an extension to Cody Bellinger or a guy like him. Uh, yeah, that has been with your franchise for as long as his career has been. 
because you want to go out and get a one-year rental and attempt to re-sign him. Yeah, um, and the thing I, is, like, I, I, you, you know, yeah, it's there's a lot of unknown trading for a Lindor. You went out and got Betts because Betts is, you know, arguably the best player in baseball. Um, hey. And then, and then he did ultimately re up with you, which is which is fantastic. But you got Lindor, who is, you know, a top tier shortstop, but he's not that guy who's like, hey, no, we need to have him here so that he really might want to play in L.A. It's it's um to me it's not worth the risk. Do you think okay, last question I'll ask you. On big name free agents, do you think they would go after a Trevor Bauer? Oh, I certainly think they got Trevor Bauer. I mean everybody needs needs more pitching, right? Um I certainly think you they, tell me. they go after a, a Trevor mm-hmm. Bauer. My 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 problem is that I don't think Trevor Bauer is gonna pick the Dodgers. Um, just because the fans have been less than friendly to him. Uh, at least on Twitter that I've seen, mainly just because he he's kind of a dick. Um, subscribe to Trevor Bauer. Subscribe to Trevor Bauer. He's he's a he's a guy who is who he is, and if you don't like him, so be it. But I think talking yeah. about Trevor Bauer overall as the player, uh, I think we move on to the Angels because I think that is the yeah, number I was, one. I was going to ask what are what are your free agent wants slash needs and why are they pitching. Um, <laughs> so here, here's the deal. It's funny because Artie Marino, uh, it seems like he definitely really wants, uh, he, he, he's been obviously a pro- proponent of offense, offense, offense. And I mean, we've seen that in the past. He, they went out and signed Albert Fools. They went outside Josh Hamilton. They went out and, uh, like the, free agent pitchers that they've signed other than like Matt Harvey and, and the like have been like Ricky Nolasco. Oh no, that was a trade. Uh, CJ oh Wilson. God, stuff like Ricky that. Nolasco was on the angels. Joe Blanton. Like a, the, I think Trevor Bauer is the, the number one target for the angels. Hopefully whenever there is a general manager in town, um, we'll we'll have a little bit more clarity on who the number one target is and what their overall um, strategies are. I think we discussed who is in the in the rotation for sure, and we discussed that already. Definitely going to be Heaney, Bundy, and uh, Cannon. And whether whether you like the three of those or not, those guys are going to be in the rotation. There's no one in this free agent class that you can necessarily argue outside of Trevor Bauer, maybe Marcus Stroman, potentially Jake Odorizzi and Kevin Gausman that could overtake and maybe have a better year than one of those three. Well, obviously those three could have worse years, but I think they're, they're pretty formidable three, four, fives. Um, yeah. And, and outside of, yeah. And would you take, say, say you, Say the Angels miss on a power and even a Strowman. Would you take, say, a combination of Gosman and Odorizzi? Because I, because I think that's where the Angels have fallen. Absolutely. In the past, of when like they it. miss on the big ones, they don't get the like B tier guys. They get fourth so, and fifth starters. So, what I'm I like I said I don't know their I don't know their front office um, strategy and I don't want to make assumptions. Um, my only 
mindset here is that last year they they went all in for Garrett Cole. He chose against us. They took that money and put it towards Anthony Rendon and then said, okay, we're going to sign some Julio Tehran's of the world. And honestly, he wasn't the worst signing ever. Angels have had a have had a history of injuries, have had a history of inconsistencies with their pitchers. Tehran hasn't been an ace-type pitcher or a number two pitcher, but for years with the Braves, he pitched every game. He had about a 3-5 to a 4 ERA. He was a solid pitcher. It was just this year that he blew up, and that might have been a cause of this year, or I don't know what's going on. But it was just this year that was really weird for Julio Tehran. At the time, it wasn't the worst signing ever. But you're right. Um, I don't know necessarily if Bauer would sign with the Angels. I think if he goes to a Southern California team, I think potentially the Dodgers or the Padres are more likely. The Dodgers, because he would want to play against um, his buddy Clev, and the Padres, because he wants to play with Clev. Um, The Angels, I'm not sure if he would choose the Angels, just although I would love him to be on the Angels, I'm a huge Trevor, um, like vlog fan, everything. Um, I love the fact that he's trying to promote the game. I love the fact that he's what I love what he's doing overall. But I definitely think that Bauer over uh, he has had his issues with the Angels pitching coach. And with the traditional style of baseball, he might really like the fact that Joe Madden is weird and does his weird stuff. <clears throat> but he, he, his, the Angels pitching coach right now was the Cleveland Indians pitching coach when Bauer was there, and they had their own issues at the time. Obviously, uh, Mickey Callaway as a pitching coach with the Indians, he he was the guy who turned Corey Kluber into what Corey Kluber became. He, he was a very solid pitcher, but I'm not sure Bauer would necessarily choose the Angels. So outside of that, I think you go, you look at Mike Trout's biggest fan, uh, other than me, Marcus Stroman. I think, first of all, Stroman would look fantastic in an Angels uniform. I think, uh, I also think his personality would work really well with Angels fans overall. Uh, and besides, he's never been like i said the ace type pitcher but he has ace type stuff so i think he just needs to put the put it together and maybe uh maybe a combination of him and the work that mickey calloway does as a pitching coach um will turn him into a formidable number two but on the angels a number one a decent number one um kevin gosman i really like him as a pitcher i think he's due for a payday but I'm not entirely sure that he's not going to accept the qualifying offer with the Giants and just stay in San Francisco. Maybe if he sees the fact that the Angels have a, have a chance to sign two pitchers and get into the playoff hunt and he had, or has, and could pay, get paid decently as much, he will jump shift from the Giants, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, Jake Odorizzi, same thing. I, it, it, not necessarily that he'll accept the qualifying offer, but he he might have better, quote unquote, better options. I think a lot of times when people see on pitching side, uh, see the Angels as an option, 
they think that they're going to have to carry the rotation. And I'm not sure if that's what Garrett Cole thought or not, but I think when hitters see the offense, they're like, man, I would love to hit behind Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon. I think you go out and sign a D.D. Gregorius or Marcus Simeon. I think Angelton Simmons' days in Anaheim, unfortunately, are up. I, although I didn't necessarily – although he wasn't the best player at times, I loved him in an Angels uniform. He was incredible defensively. And he, got, he honestly got a lot better um, offensively, too. He hit in the 290s this year. He just couldn't stay on the field. I think his days in Anaheim are, are up. But you go out and sign a shortstop. You go out and sign two starting pitchers, whether that be a Trevor Bauer and a Marcus Stroman. All of a sudden, the Angels, I think, are a decent playoff team. You go out and sign Marcus Stroman and uh, a B-level pitcher, which is like a Jose Quintana or like a Paxton, or you can bring back Garrett Richards or trust uh, Corey Kluber and Mike Miner to bounce back, stuff like that. Obviously, Adam Wainwright's going to go back to St. Louis, so I don't think he should even be an option. Um, that's that's even the first step of the puzzle. I think I, there's the problem with the Angels right now is last year they scored a ton of runs because the offense has been formidable. The offense has been great. And even when the starting rotation handed the bullpen and a one-run lead or a two-run lead and it's a close game, all of a sudden, you just have to hold your breath and hope the bullpen can get past it. They um, finally jumped ship on Cam Bedrosian. Um, he was honestly decently solid, but he it was just like every two, three, four games, there was one mistake that just led to a blown lead or something. Um, I think you can look at Brad Hand. You can look at like Jake McGee, Shane Green, Trevor May, Rosenthal, Colt. Alex Colomay, Hendricks. Um, you you need to find a way to get at least two reliable start, uh, starting pitchers and two reliable bullpen arms to be back there in the bullpen. Um, it's one of those things that, like, I think it's time for the Angels to stop relying on lucky waiver wire pickups to be good in the bullpen. Um Mike Myers, who had a career career like 703 ERA, became the most reliable reliever out of the pen last year, which was absurd. I think it's time you start looking for other stuff. Offensively, Jared Walsh is great. David Fletcher, I want him at second. I think while he does play incredible third base, second base, shortstop defensively, uh, I don't think – you put a second baseman or shortstop, and I see him as a second baseman. Um, I th- you put, I think you go out and sign a D.D. Gregorius or a Marcus Simeon or, or a shortstop at, like that. Put him at short, get some offense, get, make the offense even better. Rendon's Rendon. Um, and hopefully Adele um, boosts it up a little bit. Mike Trout, we all know he's the best player in the world. I know you just said Mookie Betts, but, and Mookie Betts did, probably have a better year this year but i don't think that is necessarily due to the fact that he's a better player i think mike trout just had a little bit more distractions and a little bit worse a little bit less reason to go all in for the season 
um, being that he was on the Angels and he just had a kid. Um, and then you can look at left field. If Brandon Marsh is ready, Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele are best friends. Uh, if, if Brandon Marsh is ready, all of a sudden you have a very solid outfield. If not, put Justin Upton. He'll hit. Um, he'll hit around his weight, but he'll hit like a decent amount of home runs and be a decent option offensively. More than anything, like I said, free agency. You need two starting pitchers. If not, go get three. Um, hopefully Shohei bounces back next year, and then on the bullpen side, you need two to three guys. And yeah. I. So, oh, so the, from my, what's up? So the TLDR of that is the Angels need a bat and a bunch of arms. Yes, and from my from my understanding at least is, Artie is finally ready to start spending money again, and I'm not, I'm not entirely sure the validity of that. I don't want to say finally ready. He might have been ready in the years past. Obviously, they offered Garrett Cole some, but I, I I'm expecting the Angels to spend a decent amount in this really weird offseason with COVID that we have going on. Yeah, all right. So this this episode is a lot of Farbode rants. Uh, but let, so yeah. let's <laughs> move into our you know, final quick segment. Um, try to end on something fun. We'll try to do that for every episode. Let's talk about our top five favorite players of our lifetime from the Dodgers and angels um do you want to go in any particular order because i there's no way i can choose an order um just, no we can just yeah. why, why don't why don't you tell me yours and we'll discuss yours for a sec and we can talk about mine or i can go and you can go i don't care um i i'll, I'll no you know, I'll, I'll go first this is sort of off off the cuff in terms of like the list that i have uh kershaw's definitely on here uh, in my lifetime, love Clayton Kershaw. Um, Andre Ethier is up is up there. Andre He's Ethier. one of my favorite Dodger Dodger yeah. players too. Uh, I would put Russell Martin in my top five. Just being that's a catcher, a... just being a catcher my whole life, I always liked him. And then his that's comeback year last people. year was fun. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Oh, I mean, this is just. Sean Green, I had a poster of when I was a kid. I always loved Sean Green, even though he wasn't a Dodger for very long when I knew him. But he was a Dodger <laughs> when I first paid attention, so Sean Green is a Dodger. <laughs> um, let's see, who, who else would I consider, like, top five in my lifetime? Oh, another weird one, but just because, like, I just love him as a player. No more Garcia no Vara. Oh, yeah. These are guys Absolutely. that I latched onto as like favorite players as Dodgers. I would you wouldn't call them necessarily the greatest Dodgers of my lifetime, but my my five favorite players, the guys that I rooted for the most. Absolutely, I mean, when you it's funny bring you bring up Sean Green. I remember in high school when we played baseball, um, one of our our trainer who um, our trainer was talking to me and he said, "Yeah, one of my." former clients was a Dodger. I was like, oh, who? He was like, Sean Green. I said, oh, that's that's actually really, really cool. Um, so while while I'm not a Dodger fan, I remember Sean Green. Garcia Parra, obviously known for his days on a different team. Um, that, But that's, that's, that's obviously, as you said, just because you love him as a player. 
I really like Andre Ethier. I think he struggled and he in times towards the latter half of his Dodger career, and he was kind of given some hate, and he was given some. He was kind of given the boot and just act, pretend like he wasn't a Dodger. And obviously, he was hurt. He struggled, but at the same time, this man was pretty consistent. He was solid. You, um, I mean, a couple of players that I thought you might have said that you didn't were like. Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, even. Uh, um, Carl, no, Carl Crawford is not looked fondly upon by Dodger fans. D. Gordon. Uh, uh, man, I I mean Ad, Ad, Adrian Gonzalez is one I love. Puig was a was one that to leave off. I love Yasiel Puig, but I'm just thinking. I just kind of went back to my childhood. What about Matt Kemp? Uh, I. So, I kind of turned on Matt Kemp before he got traded first. He was struggling. He was hurt. I was, I in a way, happy. I was like, okay, moving Matt Kemp was a good move. We got Grandall, who helped us. He didn't help us win a championship necessarily, but he was integral in kind of the, you know, the Building the Dodgers. Games. And then, but then when Matt, when Matt Kemp came back, and then recommitted to baseball essentially like he lost 50 pounds when he got traded back to the dodgers and became an all-star i was all over him i was i loved him again because he showed that commitment so yeah no matt kemp was matt kemp is up there but just that those few years between like 2013 and 2015 when he got traded it was uh frustrating nice um i'm gonna move on to mine now i i think to, My favorite yeah, angels to, to of pref- all time. To preface this, I I grew up rooting for the Angels and Dodgers at the same time. Before I realized that that is something that is hard to defend. Um, my uncle was my uncle is an Angels fan. I don't want to say he wasn't. He is an Angels fan, and he had season tickets, so he would take me and my sister to Angel games a lot. So grew up watching both teams and rooting for both teams. So I have childhood angel memories as well yes so i think for me uh i think it's important to note that i'm i am an immigrant and i didn't get into baseball as early as a lot of people who grew up in this country did but so when i started watching angels baseball i was in the mike napoli juan rivera um that that era and Mike Napoli, Jeff Mathis, obviously those guys, if they stayed on with the Angels longer, they would be on this list because I I was very heartbroken that we traded them. They were the first players I even remembered as a fan when I was like nine years old. Um, But outside of that, I think you start off with Sean Figgins. Sean Figgins was just this fan favorite, um, could put the ball in the six-hole or the three-hole um, whenever he wanted, speedy guy. He uh, he obviously, his career didn't pan out after he left um, the Angels for Seattle, but he was he, he was one of my favorite players, one of my first favorite players. Vlad Guerrero, um, I, that's, that's one of the guys that just like, unfortunately, I only saw the tail end of his career. But you know I, you know I love the guy when every time he, um, the Angels face the 
Rangers afterwards or even the Orioles, I was just like, man, I really wish you were still on the Angels. Uh, and for when I say telling telling of his Angels career, um, but Vlad Guerrero was like the first was part of the first group that really made me start falling in love with the Angels and falling in love with baseball overall. Um, Tory Hunter was the first guy that really just made me love baseball because he was so smiley, if that makes sense. <laughs> he showed he showed what it was like to be intense, to do everything you can to win, to fight, to be aggressive. But also, he had so much fun playing baseball. And that's what I, as a kid, when I started playing baseball and I sucked at it um, early on, I, I, I latched onto that because I was like, man, this is really fun to watch. Um, outside of that, it would probably be uh, uh, Sean Figgins, Vlad Guerrero, Torrey Hunter. I have then, obviously, uh, Michael Trout. Um, you can't just not have him on there. <laughs> Best player <laughs> in baseball. Uh, he's I, I see him as Tory Hunter's protege. Uh, he's he came up in Tory's last couple of years as Don't an you angel. Mean, uh, Peter Board is his protege. Peter Board. Oh, absolutely. Prevented. You could also say the, similar things about JB Shuck. Yes. Um, but no, he, he Tory Hunter's protege came up. Tory really taught him how to get through things, and. Uh, you get through like the struggles of major league baseball trout is one of those people um i i really have a respect for people who just genuinely show that they're having fun while it is their job playing baseball like jose fernandez rest in peace Corey hunter mike trout um and then the other one honestly this might be, uh and, and then the other one would have to be jared Reed. i i'm a pitcher I threw across my body. I didn't throw very hard. Um, and when I started watching Weaver, obviously he was just the stud he was. He was throwing 94, 90 to 94, um, had devastating break, um, breaking pitches. He uh, was extremely deceptive. It was kind of, honestly, for me, it was like heartbreaking seeing that rapid decline that he had because I was a huge Jared Weaver fan. Um, so for me in, in my lifetime, those would be my five that I really, really just latched on to. Yeah, I mean, guys that I all enjoy to watch as well, especially, you know, when I was in my phase of being a half-Angel fan, I remember when Jared Weaver came up and, like, going to some of those games that he was pitching and just dominating. Um, when when him and Jeff played each other, uh, Angel Dodger, that was a great, that was a great combination. Yeah, well... Do you remember those years when the Dodgers and Angels had just like competing brothers? Yes, yes, the, that was that was just a lot the of. Dodgers fun. had Cesar Estrada, uh, Angels had Mycer, Dodgers had Willie Ibar, Angels had uh, uh, Eric, and then it's funny Jared that you say Absolutely it's funny insane. that you say that is because um, the Dodgers haven't been this juggernaut of a team for forever for as long as you you've known no. them. Um, so, but it's funny because Meister Asturias and Eric Ibar are actually guys that I barely left off my list. Those guys were, those guys were part of the first group of people, like I said earlier, that really made me fall in love with the angels and fall in love with baseball. And, um, 
I also think that if you ask any Angels fan, those guys would be at the top of their mind too, um, unlike their brothers uh, yeah. that you just mentioned. Yeah, and the, um, and yeah, and you mentioned Vlad Guerrero. I remember for some, his MVP season was '04, which is baffling to me because I have like way too vivid memories of him of like realizing that he was going to be an angel and then having that turn into that that season um yeah i remember yeah those mid 2000s late 2000s angels teams with sean figgins at the top and you mentioned napoli and jeff mathis uh great catching platoon um john lackey yeah yeah that's the thing i kind of I, i kind of got introduced to baseball and the angels on after after 2003 season in the 2003 season so like right after the angels had won the world series so i had like for me it was 2008 yeah so, that, that... so so for me i have memories of like adam kennedy david Eckstein, scott spezio troy gloss jared washburn J- jared washburn yeah. was their ace at the time yes troy parsable yes Fran- i i remember this tr- before francisco rodriguez was an all-time great closer he was the setup man to troy Percival. um yes but yeah, it's yeah. I just remember doing that, and uh, yeah. Now I, I root simply for the Dodgers and the Rays, but I, I keep an eye on the Angels. But uh, yeah, those are the memories that I have. I mean, and yeah, we all have fun memories. It's it's always interesting to see where people come into the sport and what teams and players on those teams like mean to them. Normally for me, it's it's uh, for me what I've seen from people is it's normally the people who have a lot of fun playing it and are good at it. It's not necessarily guys yeah. who are good at it are just assholes. And that, like when you talk to people who are like their favorite players, not necessarily the best players, it's that. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I think, think that's I, a... I remember, and just uh, no, no, Tori Hunter. I remember when they they got Tori Hunter because I grew up Tori Hunter twins which was insane and for him to leave to or was he with the tigers before the angels he went to the tiger uh, he went to the tigers afterwards he was uh he he wasn't um with the tigers before he was with the twins then the angels then okay, the tigers yeah. i remember that was a big deal i i remember <laughs> carrie matthews jr of the angels uh talking about random players um carrie matthews jr as, as an angel but yeah just yeah, fun trip down memory lane that was. Um, I think that's a really good place to cap it off for now. Um, obviously, this was a lot longer than we expected this a lot to longer. be. But yeah, I apologize for all the rants. <laughs> um, but we're really, really excited, if you can't tell, to just talk about baseball and talk about the Angels and the Dodgers and all of LAOC teams. Um, this is going to be a really, really fun chapter in both of our books overall um look out for we're, we're thinking about pu- publishing some social media pages some uh other ways you guys can get in touch with us um this is a very young venture that we're on and we're we're, we're just getting started that's that's all i have to say we are just getting started yeah we're just getting started we literally said before we started recording hey maybe we should make a twitter um but you know if you want to get in touch with us before we officially make a twitter uh, you can follow our main podcast uh, at Beat the Shift BP on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can follow 
my personal Twitter at Stingray four one seven, and then for about you are Markazi fifteen, correct? Yes, sir. On Twitter, so follow us um, everywhere you can find us on on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Reach out. We're open to ideas. What do you want to hear from us? Um, segments. Should we keep it shorter? The answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> I think we both want to keep it short. We both want to keep it shorter, but it's it's just going to be a, a fun time of you know us us talking. Not that beat the shift isn't, but you know a little more uh, focused, perhaps. In uh, on, on I would say this is more conversational. Yes, definitely, more, definitely more conversational. Um, this is more opinionated. This is more. This is less analytic driven. This is more. I, I said this before the podcast array. This is a place for both of us to air our grievances and show our support. Yes, obviously. So, yeah. So we hope uh, you guys definitely support us on this journey. Um, thanks for listening again. Follow us at BeachFBP, at Stingray417, at Markazi15. Uh, we will definitely see you guys soon. And as always, Farbode. Peace. Peace.